And we are back. Welcome to the pod, David Young and Daisuke. Wow. Fashion your seatbelts, listeners. We have a giant steaming mug of awesomeness waiting for you to sip on. This is super exciting. I just got back from Japan recently at the Infinity Ventures Summit. And as I was saying to these fine gentlemen, first of all, Kyoto, if we do live in a simulation, then that was the very first place built. And every other place after that is just not quite as good. That place is magical. Japan is absolutely on fire with Web3. First of all, Japanese people love to collect things and they pay real money for things. But more importantly, the incredible amount of culture and entertainment coming out of that country is just absolutely incredible. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. I can't wait to dive in. So Animoca Brands has a joint venture in Japan, Animoca KK, and Collection is part of that. And then there's San Fran Tokyo Studios. <laughs> what an awesome name that is. And then you have Webox. I'd love to start at the top and then chip our, our way down. Hi, Rich. Thanks again for the opportunity for having myself and my partners, uh, David, DT, and Yong. So our journey started back in April 2021 uh, when I met uh, two of my older, uh, earlier co-founders. Uh, and that's where Collection, we're a collection with a K, spelled K-O-L-L-E-K-T-I-O-N, without the vowels. So we're K-L-K-T-N, and that's where our journey started. So my two initial co-founders, Jeff is a prominent music producer in Japan, but born and raised in Hollywood, half Korean, half Japanese. And also my technology partner, our CTO, Fabiano, was an early employee at Dapper Labs. He was the lead blockchain engineer for the famous Crypto Kitties project. So between the three of us, we set uh, on our journey to start collection with the vision of bringing everything cool from Japan to the world via the power of Web3, initially around J-pop, uh, K-pop, and also anime. So I went to my friend Yatsu, the founder and chairman of Animoka. I had known him since 2018. And so in our first early round, Animoka was one of our investors, and that's how the journey started. So fast forward two years, as of April, 2023, I was appointed the CEO of Animoka Brands KK. This is Japan arm of Animoka Brands. Uh, we're a joint venture between Japanese strategic companies and Animoka Brands. Uh, some of our investors include MUFG, Mitsubishi Bank, the largest bank in Japan. Also Shueisha and Kodansha, uh, the prominent publishers in manga and anime space. So that's how our journey started and where we are. Uh, and I'll turn it to Yong about how the original music and manga platform evolved into what is turning to Webox and San Francisco Studios. Awesome. So with Collection, we originally stood out and decided to kind of 
enter Web3 with this idea that fandom is a potential pathway towards mass market adoption. And we started with music. So we had artists like Kevin Wu, Miyavi, uh, Shinichi Osawa, Kang Hyewon, as well as like actors and entertainment giants from Asia. Kang Kang Won, a Korean actor, Gessin no Kiwami Otome, a very popular band in Japan. We kind of set out and we were creating fan-focused experiences powered and put on the blockchain. While we were doing that, we had a really awesome opportunity kind of present itself with Kodansha and Young Magazine. Uh, and that was our first foray into testing out what sort of NFTs we can do with anime and manga content. We realized like the audience and the and the demographic there would be much more warm to NFTs in general and Web3 in general, given that it's kind of an audience that's known to be chronically online and also you know, already purchasing digital assets, whether that's on a mobile game or PC or console, etc. I feel like the Web3 environment for all of what you just outlined there is just a match made in heaven. And there's going to be just more and more momentum and uptake around that. Maybe I'll start with a very uh, high-level overview of where we see opportunities in digital collectibles in the anime space. Please. So the uh, global anime industry, the market size is well above $20 billion, projected to reach around $40 billion by 2030. So anime streaming, viewing, collecting has grown uh, exponentially, especially during COVID times. If you think about the anime fans' experience, it consists of three parts. One is viewing, then second is socializing, and the third is collecting. And actually merchandising is the largest subsegment of the anime uh, business. So if you think about those three aspects of the anime fans experience and how much digitalization has had an impact, you'll soon realize the opportunities in the collecting space. So back in the days, Rich, when we used to watch anime, the options were either to watch on TV or watch on video or go to movie theaters. Now everyone can watch on their mobile device on demand, whenever you want, wherever you want, whatever you want. So the viewing experience has changed dramatically through digitalization. Socialization, I guess people exchange their opinions and views and express their fandom through Twitter and maybe a little bit through Discord. But I think there's more that can happen with digitalization than Web3. Imagine a pajama party watching viewing party on the metaverse. How fun that would be. We don't quite have that yet. We were recently at the Anime Expo in LA. It's a massive event with hundreds of thousands of anime fans gathering. Why can we not do that on the metaverse? And everyone dressing up in their cosplay and streaming the new anime titles or collecting merchandise digitally. And then finally, the collecting piece, compared with the drastic change that has happened for viewing and socializing, very little has changed. So you go to, in Japan, you would go to these stores in Akihabara and in very crowded places with just selling physical figurines, right? But why cannot that collecting experience go digital? Now in Japan, virtual idols is a big thing and people go to VTuber concerts and virtual idol concerts and they're crazy about this. So we already know how to fall in love with virtual characters. So imagine how enriching the experience would be 
if we can take that physical collecting experience to the digital space and merge it, which is one of the, the core thesis for WeBox that DT and Yong will talk about. So I think that's where we see the massive opportunity. It has not happened yet. Uh, so one of the very respected executives in the figurine industry has explained that the reasons figurines and statues exist is to uh, extend the lifetime of emotional attachment to the characters that you view in the anime. It extends that love lifespan. Why cannot that happen with a digital uh, collectible? So that's the huge opportunity uh, we see uh, coming. And I'll hand it over to DT about how we view WeBox and San Fran Tokyo. Hey, thank you. And before you chime in, DT, thank you for framing that. I think people outside the gaming industry are shocked at how large the gaming industry is. And unless you really understand the phenomenon, the momentum around you know, anime and manga, it's just absolutely just gigantic and the physical connection. And I think that's going to probably be more enriched. And then you have the digital side that could be even more enriched, just as I had Stacey Spikes, the founder of MoviePass on the show. And he said, cinema has never been stronger. And you look at Taylor Swift, she sells out six concerts in LA. So people still want the physical. They just want that emotional attachment, like you said, and to be able to enhance and make it even more meaningful with the digital side, putting things on chain. That's an incredible opportunity. So thank, thank you for letting me interject there and please dive deeper. Yeah. Thanks, Rich. So to that point, like we, you know, we sort of have the first time in history where we can definitively prove digital ownership. And we know that as the undercore uh, layer of what blockchain provides, I mean, that's, that's a total game changer. And I think that we haven't uh, even scratched the surface of what that's going to unlock. And over the last couple of years, we've seen a, a massive fundamental shift in consumer behavior through the NFT wave. And I think through that, it's opened up our eyes a lot uh, over the last couple of years to really understand that shift. And Webox now trying to take that technology and, and that, that shift in consumer behavior and build a business, a sustainable business that can really elevate and, and build out these new experiences is what we're so excited about. Now, San Fran Tokyo Studios, we created that entity. And it's funny because Young and I were in Tokyo at the time when we were spending time coming up with this concept. And the idea is that there's a lot of projects in this space that are that building in isolation. And true to the nature of anime, true to the nature of storytelling, we wanted to build a world, a city that you know brought the best of the East and the West together. And that's how we came up with the idea with San Fran Tokyo. The vision didn't stop there though. The idea is that if we could create a place, we could create a foundation to create narratives and, and, and storytelling and NPCs or characters that can help take us on this journey. You know, what we love about anime is this nostalgia that we see or the, the journey that we are taken on with character development, the emotional attachment we have to, like you said, virtual things and virtual characters, that whole 
element of that is where, what we're bringing to San Fran Tokyo and using that as a platform to build these new consumer experiences. Uh, Webox being one of those initial flagship businesses that we're going to be building in this city. The way we see it as well as San Fran Tokyo, it, it is also a foundation for us to provide architecture. I know it's very cliche now and we say this a lot, but we are still early and we're seeing a lot of this stuff happen in real time at the moment. With regards to the projects, a lot of what Animoca is also doing as pioneers in the space, the technology is still evolving, you know, and it was still very early. So part of us wanting to also build out San Francisco is to also help lead and build infrastructure and and architecture to provide opportunity for businesses uh, and brands to build in the space in in a proven way. Now, well, Daisuke and and Yang will probably touch on this a little bit later, but one element that has been challenging is we are in a bit of a bubble, as we know, within the Web3 space. And then we have the rest of the world who everybody in Web3 knows that what we're building is going to change the world. The technology isn't going away, but how do we actually build things that's going to be valuable and important for the rest of the world? And we haven't really quite figured that out yet because we just haven't caught up. The technology is still so young. We had uh, VR headsets that were privately being built and innovated on for the last 30 years, 40 years. And we only, that only hit mainstream production in the last decade. So, you know, there was 30 years of good, solid R&D perfecting that craft and and getting that to a point where it was a mass consumable product that was affordable to most people. You know, we have gas fees now on Ethereum, which arguably quite expensive, but you know, we're still early. It's all open source. We're seeing it happen in real time and we know that's going to get better. So knowing that, what we're building now is to, to continue to build this infrastructure and also help brands and a traditional IP uh, publishers see the value of what we're doing, but also take them along on the journey. And this is where we can talk more about the IP that we're going to bring into the space and help consumers understand the value of the technology that we're, we're building upon. Um, but that is essentially what San Fran Tokyo is in a nutshell, that, that, that vision and that place where we can continue to do this. Beautiful vision. Yeah. I grew up on sci-fi where Blade Runner, the future was a Japanese-esque, just huge metropolis. And I think about that and what can happen within that, uh, within that space to be able to have this creativity and edginess and, and, and just cutting edge fun there. And you're right. We're building the railroad tracks in front of us as the train is coming around the bend and it's an exciting time, but you have to kind of work double time to be able to educate and build infrastructure while you're also building everything up. But that's why you have this you know, really smart and exciting leverage with the IP partners focusing on these collectibles where you're, you're going where there's an existing gigantic reservoir. Tell us more about the IP. What are some of the things you're going to be launching with that you can share? Yeah, so we've been pretty vocal about our, our first season of IP that we have featured for Webox and our tokenized anime figurines. And we decided to take an approach where, you know, we're, we're, here, we're here to build with the space and our community that we, we see in, in anime and Web3. So we picked out two Web2 anime IPs and two Web3 anime IPs that we thought would kind of go well together and tell a good story amongst each other. So on the Web2 side, we have Ghost in the Shell, which is, you know, a legacy. And... We also have Afro Samurai, which is a little bit more niche, but, you know, fantastic series. The mangaka is very talented. He's done some stuff for Star Wars Vision on Netflix. 
and he's also very avid like comic con slash anime isn't isn't that based on a true story too samurai i thought there was a, a black samurai in japanese history yeah. kind of a a badass but anyway keep going yeah it's definitely like a, a really dope series and they had awesome voice actors for the english dub like samuel l jackson and stuff so highly recommend and then on the web3 side we obviously just went for like the blue chips like what do people recognize as anime and web3 and we wanted to start so we're doing stuff with only force and we have a proposal for the bobu ip with azuki that's going to be going live sometime this quarter Amazing. Putting that Kung Fu ball of power right out there into the metaverse and multiverse all at once. Not, not messing around. I, I love it. Yeah. Not pulling any punches. And tell us, tell us about the experience. Like what is this actually going to mean for the owner of this NFT and of this collectible? So the, we've got a, a mint that's coming up, which is our Genesis pass for the, for the city. Like most projects, there's a two-sided marketplace challenge. It's, it's about bringing people into the space that you can add value to. And then there's also people that want to essentially build uh, products and services or valuable things that people would, would want to consume. The, the city, as we said before, is going to be something that is going to house a lot of different things. And, you know, the, the Genesis Pass is really your VIP access to that city. Uh, Webox being the flagship uh, store that is that we're creating, we're building uh, first is obviously going to be the first thing that we're going to be giving VIP access to. We're working on a second store with some partners as well, and that again, the Genesis Pass holders will also naturally have VIP access to that. So it's what they call a factory design model for the Genesis Pass, which means that the value will continue to accrue based on more and more things that happen within the city. In terms of WeBox itself. There will be initially figurines. So the, the initial IP drops that we're having in, is in two stages. So one of the other things that we were saying before was bringing Web2 IP like Ghost in the Shell, which is a very recognizable uh, title, into the space and putting it and uh, viewing the technology into that IP is one thing. But something as well that we, we're really passionate about is, is also trying to change or shift the perception of Web3 IP. So for example, uh, a lot of people know Azuki in the space, but when you talk about Azuki outside of the space, no one really knows it. But when they look at the quality of what they've been able to produce, a lot of people are very fascinated and they're, they're really quite appreciative of, the, of what they've been able to accomplish. But as soon as they hear it, it's an NFT project or Web3 project, you know, there's a little bit of stigmatism there. So also putting them together and next to Web3, Web2 IP is an opportunity for us to try to help brands break down the barriers of the stigma around nft and web threes so bring them together and market them together we're going to have e-figurines in the form of nfts and those digital collectibles are going to be what we're issuing as the first drop further on to that we're then going to have claims that you're going to have to actually acquire physical figurines so we've got a production process that's going to essentially manufacture physical figurines that have uh, tokenized accounts uh, and tokenized chips embedded in it. And that's where we complete that full circle. So, so they, so they're going to have like an NFC for their NFT embedded inside there. And do you have to burn the NFT to have the physical or is there a parallel? You have an NFT and the, and the, the physical product as well too. The goal is to have the, the digital collective represent, uh, represented by the physical. So the goal is not to abstract them uh, from each other. Like what you do on chain 
with the figurines. The way the user should feel is it's it's represented. Therefore, it physically owns, or sorry, digitally, this physical figurine owns other NFTs that I've that we've curated in our ecosystem. Makes total sense because yeah, I want to be able to have the real world brag that I own this, but I also want to be able to express myself in the digital world and say that I have this as well too. And it shouldn't be an either or. Mm. Uh, it should be it should be both. I think bridging that 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 whole digital aspect, a beautiful way to onboard people to Web3, but it's just it's just a, an excellent way to add value on, on, on both sides. And it's kind of like one plus one equals eleven collection. What do you what do you think people listening should know about the uh, Genesis Mint? One of the stances that we took um, was to really focus on Webox first because you know a lot of anime IP projects in Web3 uh, they kind of just use NFTs as like a financing mechanism to build an indie IP um, and also building an IP versus satisfying a Web3 audience full of holders. Those are two very, very separate things. So our stance there was, you know, we need to build something sustainable, something that can last a very long time, that can be proven to be cyclical as well with, you know, the waves of IP success and no better time than right now, right? We, the anime industry has seen the most amount of growth in the last two, three years, especially over COVID. What, what does our IP look like? What does our IP represent? And we talk about the city in San Francisco, but we purposely haven't really shown much about that city or that worldview because we want to make sure that we do it right. But I think that's something that the Web3 audience would definitely be interested in and probably very hyped to see. So, so you talked about Fabiano, who was there from the OG. I mean, if you really want to go back to sure. the big bang of Web3, it's CryptoKitties. Yeah. And then that morphed into Dapper Labs, Flow Blockchain, NBA Top Shot. They're, they're investors, we're investors, and we're investors in them. And you guys are building on Flow. And tell us, tell us about that. Right. So we did a lot of stuff on Flow when it came to our music drops, just because we knew we were focusing on an audience that's not, that's not necessarily uh, native to the space. Uh, so we went with an option that could kind of satisfy all ends, both payment on ramp, off ramps, etc. Uh, but for Webox, uh, we are building uh, everything on ETH, everything on mainnet. We will have some sort of need to transition to a scaling solution and we're 100% open and planning around that as well. We're open enough to be building where the people are to showcase the talent that we have, the executionary abilities that we have um, before we go and start building on a layer two or such. Um, so as of right now, yeah, our Genesis collection will be going out on Ethereum as well as the Webox NFTs. John, do you want to talk about Benny and his innovation and how that applies to our new new products? Yeah, so actually a great segue to that is maybe two years ago, we probably wouldn't be confident to be building on Ethereum. But over the last two years, we've seen a lot of UX improvements. Staff developers have, are still here. Everyone's still building, especially with account abstraction earlier this year being made you know, possible. We see a lot more solutions being created. Uh, so that, that gave us a lot of confidence. And uh, another area that we're seeing a lot of innovation right now is with Benny. So Benny is one of our senior advisors. He's also from the Dapper Labs founding team. He was the product guy who led CryptoKitties. And right now they're just how they were building on you know, ERC721 for the first time. Benny decided to go back and create another new, new crypto primitive. And that's ERC6551. So that's... Something that's, again, being built on top of account abstraction. And we saw it as a way to really start to tie the experience together of being able to give 
a token, a 721 token, an 1155 token, its own identity and its own crypto wallet or NFT wallet. And as I mentioned, our physical NFTs, they have inventories of themselves where they can start to equip or customize and modify to kind of, again, build more of an attachment to that figurine. But we're, we're super excited. Like we, we're, we're innovating and we see Ethereum is always moving forward. So that, yeah, that's kind of why uh, we took a step back, went back to where the people are and said, we're going to build for, for this group, prove ourselves here. And then when we bring on that Web2 audience, let both of those commingle. You, can, can you explain in more detail about ERC-6551? And you talked about how it can actually take its own inventory, please. Yeah, absolutely. So ERC-6551 is another crypto primitive. It's no different than you know 721, 11.55. It's a building block for Ethereum, essentially. And the best way to kind of explain or think about it is what happens if your Azuki has its own NFT wallet? What happens if your board ape had its own NFT wallet? Right now, all the value accrues to a wallet address, which is, you know, it's very direct. But as soon as you start to give an identity or another token its own crypto wallet, you kind of start to open the doors a little bit for what you can do and can't do on chain when it comes to NFT composability. So there's been a lot of protocols in the past that have tried to do this. And the thing about protocols is no one really wants to use them. Because if everyone else isn't using them, then you're, you're stuck there kind of thing. So seeing this comeback and being led by Benny's team brought us a lot of confidence. There were previous ERC primitives that were, again, around like token comp- composability. But there was a lot of issues with recursive nesting, top-down, bottom-up structures, you know, death spirals where you have an NFT that owns an NFT that owns that NFT. And it's just, we just continue to go in a circle. But Benny kind of took a look at it and managed to make this thing. So MemeLand or captains right now, they have mutable traits. And that con- that concept was also built on top of 6551. So basically giving your PFP a wallet and saying, okay, this hairstyle is a collectible by itself. There's also other aspects that I've seen. I think Galvers just released their 6551 kind of tool and people are now able to add other NFTs that they own and attach it to their digital identity. So the best way to think about it is we now have like an inventory system from a video game that we can attach to any NFT. And on our side, we said, okay, that's a very cool user experience to build. How do we make that into something tangible for Web2? And that's where tokenizing a physical good, giving it its own crypto wallet, and really making the collectible ecosystem around what can that figurine equip. And we realized like, that is so much more digestible, and it's really solid Web2-friendly experience. Beautiful. And when you said it was like an inventory system in a, in a game, that's also very digestible. And yeah. that's a really clear visual established kind of paradigm that, ah, I get it. And uh, that, that is super powerful. And that's sort of where people already are and they want that experience. So the more of that kind of web two experience that you can bring to web three, that intuitive, comfortable, very high utility experiences is powerful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. That's great. It's super, super excited about what you're, what you're building. It's going to be, I think, very groundbreaking. Tell us a little bit about your journey. We talked before that you are a serial entrepreneur and you've kind of jumped in from the more traditional insurance industry. That's kind of the foundation of what Warren Buffett built his entire empire around. So it's a really, you know, smart way to 
build up your career after you left Harvard Business School, as I grew up near, near Harvard Square. So if you go to HBS, then as we say in my neighborhood, you're wicked smart. So in the city of Boston, tell us, tell us about some of the scabs and calluses and scar tissue like armor that you got from that experience that you're bringing to this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, so back in 2006, I co-founded a digital life insurance company together with a very old experienced insurance industry veteran. We raised more than $100 million from strategic partners representing Japan Inc. So this was trying to bring innovation to a very old regulated industry. And I think it, the, the, the learnings from that uh, journey, so uh, we took the company public uh, in 2012. That was four years after we, we launched. Huge. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so it, it, we had our modest successes and our setbacks. But I would say, I think that the, the biggest learning is how to work with large Japanese companies. Uh, and I think that's at the one of the core competencies of WeBox that we do have a very strong relationship with uh, top tier IP holders in Japan. Uh, and also I think what I learned is that uh, engaging consumers is a lot of about emotional attachment more than logical reasoning. Mm -hmm. So I think we're trying to focus uh, on very intuitive experiences where the underlying technology goes behind the scenes. So I think we need, for, everyone talks about mass adoption of Web3, but no one's actually been successful with that yet. I think as long as we continue to emphasize the, the various features of Web3 as a value proposition to the end users, we'll never reach a critical mass because for normal users, they don't care what the underlying technology is. They just want an enriching, fun, engaging experience. They don't need to be explained about blockchains or scarcity or everything we talk about when we try to pitch NFT projects. So I think our, our emphasis on WeBox and San Fran Tokyo as a whole, we are trying to onboard the mass into Web3. What better community is there than anime. Uh, everyone talks about the importance of communities in, in Web3, but there is no other hyper-passionate community than the anime fans. So we think it, it's a perfect match for Web3. Yet there is still a reluctance for the general anime fans to touch anything that has an NFT uh, tag attached to it. We, we're hoping that our digital experience that we explained earlier, we don't need to mention that it's Web3 or NFT. It should be engaging, enriching, intuitive enough for the mass anime fan to proactively want to come on board. And it, it's, a, it's an evolution of the collecting experience. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the large part of owning collectibles is to enhance that emotional attachment you have on the characters that you love. There's no reason it cannot be in the forms of digital. So yeah, I think those learnings from my previous venture, engaging large corporations, 
and also t- tying two different things. So digital life insurance is, is contradictory in nature because life insurance is a long span old industry. We're trying to digitalize it. So that, that journey that I, I started when I was 30 years old with a 60 year old partner, it was really about connecting different generations, old Japan and new Japan. And now I see this journey together with Yong. He's still in his early twenties. DT is closer to my age, I guess. So if we really want to onboard the mass, it cannot be just the, the Gen Z DGENs driving it. I think we hope the certain experiences and the wisdom of the more experienced uh, entrepreneurs like myself and DT will help accelerate that. Also tying Japanese authentic IP with this new technology, bringing Japan to the rest of the world is all about bridging the the different aspects. And I think that that that's what I was trained to do in my previous venture. And that's why I'm really excited about WeBox and San Fran Tokyo. And the whole concept of San Fran Tokyo is East meets, meets West. Beautiful. Yes. I hear bridging and evolution and you are absolutely the person to do it. Somebody who spent time in the East and the West very deeply and bridging these different age cohorts in insurance and bridging Japanese corporations, which have a lot of incredible IP that needs to be unlocked, but you have to be able to speak, not just, you don't have to just understand Japanese, you have to understand Japanese. So it's a really cultural and linguistic unlock that we talked before, you know, baseball metaphor that I could use in Japan. I apologize for other people who are not necessarily in baseball countries, but swinging a heavy bat, you know, you have a baseball bat, you put these rings on it to make it heavier, and then you can take the rings off and swing faster. In many ways, all of that challenges with insurance. Now you're able to get the bat across the plate a lot faster and take a lot more swings and really exciting what you guys are building. And thank you so much for your time. DT, Young, Daisuke, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Wow. If you've never been to planet Japan, I highly recommend putting on your spacesuit and going to that magical planet. We see the rise of what's happening in Korea, the interest in Asian content and all of the rich, incredible culture in Japan and how Web3 will unlock that. And it's something to continue to watch. Please comment, like, and subscribe down below. Thanks for listening to Founder Insights. I'll be back again next week. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. Any opinions provided in this podcast reflect the views of the speakers only.